Chapter One of Little Blue Book Six Forty Six: The Spirit of Brazilian Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Blue Book Six Forty Six: The Spirit of Brazilian Literature by Isaac Goldberg. One, preliminary considerations analogies are dangerous things they emphasize similarities at the expense of essential differences yet it will be highly useful in presenting a survey of brazilian letters to employ the figure of mother country and daughter nation however great the changes that adulthood brings there is always the resemblance inner or outer to one's parents brazil is one of the children of imperial portugal the portugal into whose greatness her most glorious poet Camões was born, and with whose decline he died. In time, when separation of distance grew naturally into separation of spirit, the child reached maturity. It sought independence. So doing, at first it revolted against its parents. It even reviled them. That is a phase of development as natural to children as it is to colonies. There is national as there is individual ambivalence. Today the ancient hatreds that were bred by the struggle for national autonomy have died. The daughter, indeed, as daughter's will, has outgrown the mother. The features, none the less, are essentially the same, and the filial love has returned. It is a love which is not a surrender, but rather a realistic acknowledgment. The language of Brazil is, with those modifications that time and place inevitably work, essentially Portuguese. Brazil is not like Canada, daughter in her mother's house, yet mistress in her own. The division has been clean, complete, and salutary. The history of her separation from Portugal, the history of her internecine strife, have both been agreeably free of those chronic bloodlettings that bespatter the pages of the nations. Blood has been spilled, to be sure, but not rivers of it. Today, Brazil is one of the important nations of the continents. Her importance is likely to grow with the years. A poet has written that the Amazon is the center of the world. Should it so turn out, it will not be the first time that in a practical versifier has guessed at a truth a century before his more literal-minded fellows have blundered into it in its simplest outlines the history of brazil falls into three obvious divisions one the colony two independence and three the republic discovered in the opening year of the sixteenth century brazil remained a colonial dependency until eighteen twenty two her career as a monarchy lasted until eighteen eighty nine when she became a republic Behind these dates lies a slow but often interesting evolution from merely physical attachment to spiritual kinship with the land. Something in the Brazilian atmosphere and its very scenery captivated the discoverers from the start that it should at first have been named the land of the true or holy cross is in harmony with the religious spirit of the times. The celestial connotation has remained, however, to this very day when graças aranha writes his much-read and widely discussed novelistic hymn to his country he names it canaan the promised land he is thus but the latest in the line that dates back to the earliest days of the discovery it was vespucci after whom the american continents were named who called brazil an earthly paradise father anchieta in fifteen eighty five repeated vespucci's heavenly compliment gabriel suarez and the chronicler Cardin took up the strain until by the time it had reached rocha pita it swelled into a chorus of exaggerations verissimo has told us that 
gongorism is among the portuguese a national vice that holds true outside the field of poetry milieu and racial mixture have made of the brazilians a creature of the imagination physical separation is the first step toward autonomy in the wild outbursts of admiration which were hymned by these early spirits we find already what brazilian critics have termed nativism as distinct from nationalism passionate fondness for the land itself is present at the very start let that land be coveted by foreigners let those foreigners attack the settlers as holland france and england did let the settlers thus be forced into a unit of defence against a common possession and already the seeds of national feeling have been implanted let the hazards of european fortune send the portuguese monarch in flight from his throne to brazil thus converting the country by his mere presence into the virtual monarchy itself and a deeper feeling has been implanted in the brazilian heart consider too the libertarian thoughts and deeds that are filling the air at this time the successful struggle of the united states for independence from england the sixteen-year fight of spanish america versus spain the french revolution consider the waning power of the motherland the series of oppressions visited upon a colony never sufficiently appreciated and ever regarded as a milch cow for the court at lisbon these are the circumstances that breed out of a national feeling aspirations to independence when the establishment of an independent monarchy of brazil came about in eighteen twenty two it was almost a logical deduction from contemporary events so too the founding of the republic reproducing in the inner life of the nation those individualistic revolts against central authority that had brought about the separation from portugal properly to appreciate the progress of the creative spirit in brazil we must have some knowledge of the racial mixture that has produced the national type in a condensed account of this nature i must appear dogmatic while specialists will not agree upon details it may be shown that the great amount of miscegenation in brazil has affected the national psychology that because of the higher rate of race mixture race prejudice is remarkably less prevalent than in the united states that there as here linguistic cleavage early appeared and has lately been studied with a view to emphasizing the cultural autonomy of the nation the three ethnic strains that have blended to produce the brazilian of today are in the order of their importance the portuguese the native indian and the african negro first brought in by the portuguese as a slave the portuguese came at the height of the national glory the sixteenth century was for the western slice of the iberian peninsula an era of physical and intellectual prowess it is the day of camoins of sa Maranda, of bernardin ribeiro of gil vicente the natives whom they found and over whom later they went into ecstasies of romantic adoration an adoration which was simply the expression of an exaggerated hatred of portugal and which saw the indigenous brazilians through rousseau's spectacles were of a varied cultural stage some had attained to a certain skill in the arts of war and peace others were coarse nomads the history of the negro in brazil runs fairly parallel to that of the black man in the united states only that interbreeding in brazil has gone much farther interbreeding in fact the melting pot that fuses flesh and blood has been so great that any number of ethnic subdivisions have been formed the portuguese crosses with the indian and produces the mameluco he crosses with the negro and produces the mulatto the indian and the negro cross and 
produced the Cafuso. Later, with the influx of Italians, Germans, and Slavs, the matter grows more complex. The Indian is fast disappearing for all the fervors that marked the Indianist movement. Traffic in blacks was done away with in 1851, and black slavery itself was abolished in 1888. The predominance of the white seems thus assured, but nonetheless Romero could write that even when the Brazilian is not in blood a mixed breed, he is in ideas. This for us is the important phase of the matter. It helps to explain the characteristic Brazilian melancholy, as the climate helps to explain the sweeter, softer, more passionate accents of a muse already fervid by inheritance. Brazilian critics find their tongue more musical, more eloquent than Portuguese. Is it strange that time and place should work change in language? Is there not at the bottom of much refusal to see valid differences between the tongue of the United States and that of England, a certain attribute which we might call intellectual colonialism, which has nothing to do with scientific linguistics? So, too, the radical will overemphasize the difference of which the conservative denies the very existence. More to our purpose, of course, is what the Brazilians have done with that language. On both scores, Jose Verissimo has written words characterized by an intellectual fidelity only too rare among the scholars of the nations. From the beginning, he declares, after intensive study of the original documents, men have written in Brazil differently from writers in Portugal. It would be a pure absurdity, then, to expect the Brazilian, the North American, or the Spanish American to write the classic tongue of his mother country. And again, closer to our present interests, if we are by language Portuguese, if through that tongue our literature is but a branch of the Portuguese, we have already ceased to be such, because our fund of ideas and notions, which were all constituted outside of Portuguese influence, the chief thing is to have something to say, an idea to express, a thought to transmit. Without this, however deep his grammatical knowledge of the language, however perfectly he apes the classics, no man is a writer. Verissimo was free of these errors of judgment that are strewn across the pages of his countryman Romero. Romero's besetting sin, and in this respect he is kinsman the world over, was a literary patriotism which blinded him to aesthetic shortcomings. Related to this, no doubt, was a loose conception of art that could allow him to entertain so anomalous an idea as scientific poetry, and worse still, to write it. Romero has placed all students of Brazilian letters under his everlasting debt, if ever a man went at a subject from all sides and with almost fanatic fervor, he was the man. But it is not patriotic devotion that puts men into the pages of literary history, any more than devotion to one's wife is sufficient to win a man an honored place in the annals of lyric poetry. That patriotism, that devotion, must find expression in artistic form before it finds a place in artistic record. Romero, intent upon national themes, his very history of Brazilian literature is an act of patriotism rather than an expression of aesthetic pains and pleasures, proved too lenient with sympathetic souls, too harsh with antipathetic personalities. His conception of literature, moreover, true to his Teutonic backgrounds, embraced almost every realm of the written, even the spoken word, if at its worst it flatters an unthinking national taste, it does not too often appeal to that calm aesthetic taste which was Verissimo's distinguishing trait. I have an almost personal fondness for that quiet man who lived his uneventful life far removed from the literary centers of the world. 
who wrote in a simple unaffected style of a simple turgid rarely inspiring yet human literature and who as a personality triumphing over his adverse surroundings refused to lower his standards in the service of a mistaken patriotism he has in the field of diplomacy a spiritual counterpart in the person of manuel de oliveira lima who has written voluminously and with penetration upon his country's life and letters one does not need to agree with everything these men have written in order to admire the universality of their outlook and the independence of their views they are artists of life with the right of the artist to his differences and with the essentially aesthetic outlook of the true-born critic the story of brazilian letters will deal naturally with the emergence of the national spirit we must be on our guard however against confusing national passions with artistic national expression we hear much today about a national literature in the united states we of the north need to guard against the same easy errors into which the southern critics have fallen true nationalism in literature sinks its roots i believe deep into the writer's unconscious mind it is a spontaneous manifestation no american was ever made by fiat nor by the simple process of taking out citizenship papers neither may an american art be made by fiat or by the express intention of a self-consciously american author brazilians like ourselves have gone to the indians in search of truly indigenous themes as if they were not truly more related to portugal than to the indians just as we are more truly as a nation related to england than to the indians i wonder whether art though it bear a national face has a national soul or whether in some subtle way even the aesthetic attempts to discover a national basis for art are not founded upon an external allegiance to the places which accident has appointed for our birth and breeding at any rate at the extreme left lies the danger of the patriotic bias in literature at the extreme right the danger of the aesthetic which tends to evaporate into airy nothings with no local habitations and only names we are safest i believe in centering our attention upon the writer and remembering that he is the result of a personal and a national heredity and a physical and psychic environment that these circumstances however are of importance to us only as they are transmuted into art it may be a platitude but it is a platitude of which literary historians are as much in need as are their readers that the great artist transcends boundaries of race nation or time he is not independent of them not at all he simply conquers his dependency by imposing his personality he expresses himself in terms of the time and the place so do we all artists or botchers above those terms however rises something which we may define only in some elastic word as personality shakespeare is not great because he expressed england nor dante because he expressed italy nor goethe because he expressed germany they are great because through england italy and germany respectively they express themselves supremely and through themselves an attribute of the eternal human that their governments have used them as symbols of patriotism belongs rather to the history of politics every national tradition that is worth the carrying on arises from something broader and deeper than political lines and geographical boundaries our common ancestry of fundamental emotions derives from a hidden stream of life that flows under all the nations its dim past we may call the racial unconscious its dim future we may rationalize into an internationalism that shall not destroy the personality of races and countries whatever the name it denotes a common possession of humanity under the earth of the realists and above the clouds of the poets 
there are alike no boundaries the study of a nation's letter thus becomes the study of the nation's creative spirits with for me the personal spirit more important than the nation we may follow in this suggestive account something like the general outlines of the national history brazilian critics have rarely if ever agreed upon literary periods and historical divisions while they are coming to a decision let us rather select from the welter of writers the significant persons who have identified their spirit with the soul of the nation if i choose romero's four divisions he was an impulsive fellow and later increased them to sixteen it is because they avoid the too facile division by centuries and manage to cluster around the outstanding events of the national history we have then what romero has called the one period of formation fifteen hundred through seventeen fifty two the period of autonomous development seventeen fifty through eighteen thirty three the romantic transformation eighteen thirty through eighteen seventy and the critical naturalistic reaction followed by the parnassians symbolists and so on from eighteen seventy down to the opening of the present century essentially this follows the line of evolution in france which has so powerfully influenced the cultural life of the latin americans we become so easily frenchified said a prominent peruvian to me speaking of latin americans as a whole the french nation indeed has often been held up to the youth of spanish and portuguese america as a siren who will lure them from their national homes capistrano de abreu one of the leading historical minds of brazil coined the term transoceanism to denote the scorn early developed in the sixteenth century for the brazilian territory and the corresponding desire to cross the ocean and get back to civilization here we see as a species of territorial ambivalence the paradisical raptures of the early discoverers raptures which have not yet ceased were balanced by an eagerness to get away from this uncouth land that feeling too has persisted into the present do we need indeed to go out of the united states to understand what transoceanism is to grasp the psychology of what i have called intellectual colonialism or to see examples of a patriotism so intense as to lead one into voluntary exile abroad such foreign influence as produces only snobbery or rather as nurtures a snobbery already present should not be confused with that influence which is bound to arise when two alien cultures impinge upon one another here lie the seeds of national renaissance if france indirectly had created in latin america an upper crust of aravis and parvenus it has on the other hand fertilized the intellects of these republics ever since the first turmoils of the romantics whether that fertilization has been thorough or superficial is a muted question there are latin americans who assert that they have not yet produced their real romantic movement there are north americans who have said the same for the united states thinking in terms of well-defined movements is slowly and fortunately falling out of fashion yet behind these assertions lies a conception of romanticism as genuine national self-consciousness and self-assertion in art the course we shall follow from brazilian beginnings to the works of the moderns will traverse the barren fields of early groping and avowed imitation of portuguese models the slow emergence of a national point of view the gradual insinuation of france as intellectual and cultural guide the less gradual but none the less certain arrival of an eclecticism which leads to a number of truly independent spirits these are the flower of a literature.
End of chapter 1